This is Positive Parenting. Parenting expertise and advice from best-selling parenting author and national newspaper columnist, Mr. Dad, Armin Brott. Hello and welcome to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott. You know, a lot of people don't like the term potty training. A lot of people say that training is for animals, not for children. So let's just agree that the word training is synonymous with learning, at least for the purposes of today's show. After all, even as an adult, you train in something in order to learn it, right? As an analogy, let's talk about a new job. You get training. Someone who's already pretty good at it helps you through your new duties. On your first day at work, does your boss sit and wait for your cues that you're ready? Does ready for what, anyway? When you make a mistake, does your boss get upset and fire you? No, most likely you're clearly told what's expected of you and shown how to do it. When you make a mistake, your boss gently tells you what you did wrong and how to do it right. After a certain amount of time, you're expected to have mastered your new duties. Well, there you go. It's exactly the same with potty training. In this part of today's show, we're going to be talking, as you probably have put together, about potty training. And our guest is going to be a woman who calls herself the Pied Piper of Poop. Her six-step process for getting your toddler out of diapers and onto the toilet has already worked for tens of thousands of kids and, of course, their parents. And now, it's your turn. I'm Armin Brott. We'll start talking to the Pied Piper of Poop about potty training right after this. More with Mr. Dad, Armin Brott, after this, from the MrDad.com radio network. dad is a hero. He goes into burning buildings. He finds people inside who need to be saved. Then he helps them get out, even when he can't breathe or see, even when he's a little scared. My dad is a firefighter. He does great things, and the best thing he can do is come home. The U.S. Fire Administration, a part of FEMA, Remind you to protect the heroes who protect our lives. Have a smoke alarm on every floor. Test it monthly. Replace the battery yearly. Do your part to get out before firefighters have to come in. The fact is, 60% of all fire deaths occur in a home without a working smoke alarm. The good news is, that's a fact that can change. For more information, visit the U.S. Fire Administration at www.usfa.fema.gov. Working for a fire safe. Welcome America. back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brott, and my guest for this part of today's show is Jamie Glowacki, who's the author of Oh Crap Potty Training Everything Modern Parents Need to Know to Do It Once and Do It Right. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Sure. All right, so let me just start with something that I get when I, t- I teach classes for expectant fathers. Almost every time somebody says, Well, what about this thing that you can, you can toilet train your kids when they're six months old? Uh-huh. What do you think about that? Uh, that's EC. That's called elimination communication. And EC is a, a slightly different process, mostly because it's you, the parent, who's watching for the cues. It's, some people call it infant potty training, but it's the child's not actually telling, telling you with words. Yeah. So the whole theory is that the child can communicate. You know, they wiggle, they squirm, they have a, a, a cue of some sort, and the parent picks up on that and then can potty them. I've seen it work to great... Uh, great success with a lot of parents, but most parents are just kind of too busy these days to really do that effectively. 
Well, yeah, I mean, I, I characterize it as kind of potty training for the adults that you, you need yeah. to be able to rush your child to the nearest toilet. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's important to understand that, that the kids are not ready to regain or to maintain some control over these things. You can recognize the signs beforehand, but they can't stop it. Yeah, and some, some people do claim that they can, but I, I honestly have never ET'd, and so for my purposes, you know, in fact, people who have ET'd, when they come to me, sometimes that kid has a hard time because the mom has or dad has picked up on the cue for so long that the kid has a hard time figuring out the cue themselves. Oh, really? Okay. So, you know, for me, I, I think it works great. It's what a lot of the planet does because a lot of countries can't afford diapers, and I, I would... If you feel up to it, you would research it yourself. It's just not something <laughs> I, I do. I do get people who have ET who come to me. Okay. So yeah. All right. So let's just start again then. Uh, what do What do you do? I mean, what 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 are the kinds of people that you see, and what are the issues that they're facing? I mean, obviously, listen, we want to get the kid off diapers, but are are there specific issues besides that that they come to see you for? Well, there's mostly you know the the book itself. Uh, the book itself has gone through many variations, and for uh, two years, the book was $40, and it came with online help direct from me, and that was a few years ago, and uh, and I got to see modern parenting up close and personal and all the modern struggles that we have that previous generations didn't have, and so I, the book in its current form includes all those, so it was sort of like this re- research project that I had done working one-on-one with so many people, thousands of parents. And um, so those, there's some really modern struggles, and then most people read my book, they, they go by my quote-unquote method, and then they, they'll contact me if they have a, a big struggle. Largely, pooping is the big issue these days. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, you know, I actually talked to a pediatrician about this years ago, mm-hmm. um, about ped- and he was maintaining that one of the biggest issues at, at having to do with accidents was the fact that kids are constipated. And part of the yes. reason is that we're we're kind of encouraging them to hold it in a lot of ways, and so they end up holding it for too long. Yeah, that there's a there's a doctor out right now, Doctor Hodges, who that's his like big party line. He's very inflammatory. The that's the guy. The problem with that is that you know we're the first generation ever to have three and four year olds in diapers. So every generation before us, I was I'm 47, so I'm including myself. Uh, two was almost late. So. The theory doesn't hold water to me because we'd have hundreds of thousands of people with huge issues. I think a bigger issue is our modern diet. And I do get children who are constipated, and that is a problem because, of course, um, you can be constipated and still pooping. And that's what a lot of parents don't realize. And we're not smooth inside, so this poop can sort of get lodged into the nooks and crannies, if you will, and Mm. press against the bladder. Um, But, you know, given the, the crap that people eat, in today's society, you know, I would look at, I always look at diet first and foremost. And then I do get some very tough cases where, where they, the child's sphincter muscle just is made of steel and they really have a hard time releasing <laughs> yeah. it. But I, I react pretty strongly to that theory because, and the, doc, the, the doctor who says this, um, this is his main message, and he's all over the place, and everybody keeps thinking he's a shill for pampers. But, you know, he really encourages kids to be in diapers until they're four. And that's that's too long. That's that's way too long. That's a difficult case to yeah. body train. So 
So All that's right. my feeling. Well, so then let's <laughs> let's get the straight answer then from from you about when is a good time to start. I mean, you hear things about Sweden. It always has to be about Sweden, that we you know places where kids are raised in cloth diapers, they're out of them a lot sooner than kids who are raised in disposables, and that makes sense because they really have no incentive. Or kids in disposables have no incentive to get out because they're so delightfully dry inside. But the wicking and the sin. So one of the great things about cloth diapers is that it really affects the kid's mobility. So most kids want out. They, they want to be climbing. They want that big cloth diaper and the, the diaper soaker on the outside. They want it off. Um, yeah, Sweden and Finland, they do everything right. Um, so, <laughs> it's, it's amazing, isn't it? They, you know, but it's funny because I have a huge following in Sweden. Um, so I think my, my process is very, very resonates with the Swedes. Um, my time frame is 20 to 30 months. And that's all ideal. That, that window of opportunity is for a couple of reasons. Uh, it's, it's a lull in learning for the child. So by that time, the child's probably mastered walking, eating by themselves, separation anxiety. And they're not, they don't have any huge milestones coming up. So there's like this lull. Once they hit three, they actually start going through individuation, which is the psychological process of realizing they're separate from you. And that's when free will and choice come in. And that's when you get the, you know, the three majors, um, the, 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 the no, the very contrary, the power struggles, because your kid has finally realized they're their own person. And so if you add poop and pee to this mix, it's explosive. <laughs> Because they actually literally hold the power, and so they can drive you crazy. So that's why I recommend it before three. And 20 to 30 months, right around 24 months, there's almost always a magic window where it's super easy. And how and would you find that, that magic window? You don't. There's no manual. So you have to kind of <laughs> – that's why I always tell parents, jump in. Jump in. If it's a disaster, no harm. You know, we go a couple of days, and if it just feels like the kid has – no gleam in his eye. It's not happening. It's totally cool to do what I call a reset. Um, but you want to jump in because what if you miss that? What if that kid is in that wonderful window of opportunity? Because that happens right. for so many parents. They start and they're like, are you kidding me? My kid's doing it, and it's been two days. And I'm like, you hit it. You hit the sweet spot. That's it. So does yeah. that mean that it should only take two days, or how, how long is the process last um, Realistically, it's three to, three to seven days should get you feeling really confident about it. You know, by that time, I have a couple of things. You know, too many people jump into potty training and expect a couple of things. They go right into wearing underpants. That's a huge no-no in my book. It's underpants have a muscle memory. They, they are cinched at the thigh and at the waist, which feels just like a diaper. So your child, for however long they've been on the planet, has been wearing a diaper. And so you put those underpants on the first day of potty training, and the kid's like, whatever. They just do their business in it like they always have. So it's pretty key to do a couple of days naked, and then I suggest commando, so pants with no underpants, so that they at least are the, – the bare bum under there is a, a, a reminder to not go in their pants. Wait, did you say um, a couple days naked? Yeah, one to two days naked. You have, you have to catch the child mid-act. You, you have to. So they need, they need no obstructions because we're talking about, you know, 20 to 30 months. Yeah. A lot of kids don't know how to pull down their pants. So, you know, to expect them to, like, go from diapers right into clothes is too much. It is a lot, they need, yeah. They need, they need that time to sort of, you know, clear, clear the memory on those and get used to going to the potty on their own without any obstruction. So then, and then we would go commando. So meaning meaning no underwear. No underpants, right. Okay. Right. And then what's the next step after that? The next Besides step after that is, um, I, my book is arranged in six blocks of learning. And so the next block is 
um, outings, outing, small outings so the child can get used to peeing and pooping in other places. So that's the next step. And the next uh, step after that is underpants, and the next step after that is self-initiation. So to kind of cycle back to the original question, uh, a lot of parents jump in thinking the kid can wear underpants and the kid is going to right. tell you when they have to go. And for the first couple of weeks, you still have to really prompt the child. You have to notice, hey, look at you. You're walking on tippy toes, grabbing your crotch. Why don't we go to the potty? <laughs> you know, you have to remind them. Um, so, you know, three to seven days usually gets most people over that big chunk. And people say, like, okay, I can get in the car now with this kid. I can go places. And, you know, depending on the child and their learning curve, it can take a little longer or it can take a matter of hours. I'm working with a client now who just, she was done in a day. So it really depends on the kid, you know. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I mean, th there's certainly going to be an awful lot of communication back and forth, hopefully. <laughs> Talking with Jamie Glowacki, who's the author of Oh Crap Potty Training, Everything Modern Parents Need to Know to Do It Once and Do It Right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll keep talking to Jamie. Okay, forest animals, kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit a good one. Sparrow, have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. River, how's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. I love it. Uh, turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, he's late every morning. Okay. Squirrel. The forest has been preparing just for you. To learn more about cool things to do in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. People have all kinds of excuses for not saving energy. I didn't plug it in. I'll turn it off later. It's not my music. It's just one phone charger. So um, we don't have those Energy Star appliances. So that old window leaks. How much energy and money could the new ones really save? Maybe it's time to stop making excuses and start doing some simple things to save the energy and resources we can. Because a little here and a little there can add up to a lot later. And you just never know what people will need in the future. My name is Sarah. And I'm going to get started today. We can all help save more energy for tomorrow. What's your excuse? For more energy-saving tips that also save money, visit loseyourexcuse.gov parents. This message is brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy, the Ad Council, and the station. Did you just look down at your phone? You did it again, didn't you? You know, you're flying down the road in a three-ton hunk of steel... And a text takes your eyes off the road for an average of five seconds? At 55 miles per hour, that's long enough to travel the length of a football field and cause some serious damage. Turn it off. Trust me. Whatever it is, you'll live. Learn more at StopTextStopRex.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat. If you're just joining us, we're talking with Jamie Glowacki, who is the author of Oh Crap! Potty Training, Everything Modern Parents Need to Know to Do It Once and Do It Right. You are referred to, at least on the cover of the book, as the Pied Piper of Poop. Was that you or some <laughs> clever marketing person came up with that? <laughs> it was half and half. I, I really am known as the Poop Lady. It's known as the Poop Lady. Um, and then I worked with Simon and Schuster to get a, a little alliteration going there for the Pie Piper of Poop. Oh, that, that's such a great, <laughs> great thing. I mean, I'm not exactly sure that I would want to have that, but I, I think no, it's, it's really it's funny cool. too because everybody. I'm, it's a public service. I say because I'm the poop lady, everybody sends me their scatological humor. 
and I feel like you need a place to put all this humor, and I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, so you must hear constantly, well, give us the real poop about, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> all right, so talk. Uh, so you've talked about outing was the next stage. Mm-hmm. And then is there a time where a lot of kids will just backslide for a little bit? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Um, definitely, you know, if they've been at home and, and they start a, a daycare, you know, when they go back to daycare, a lot of times the mom and dad will take, you know, a, a long weekend, tack on a couple of days, take four or five days at home, and they'll get through the bulk of potty training, and then the child has to go back to daycare. So that first day back at daycare, there can be a little bit of a backslide, some accidents. Um, there are anything, it, it, you know, kids love routine, toddlers crave routine, so anything can mess with their routine, and it can throw them off. And that's, then I just tell parents, you know what, go back to the first block, clean it up, it, it'll be fine. I mean, clean up the process, not just the accident. Right, well, a little of both. Um, I, I tell them to do that, too. <laughs> um, and then uh, then there are, of course, some more serious backsides that are true regressions. And usually that's when a second baby is born or a new baby, whatever number mm-hmm. that is, um, when there's a, a big uh, divorce, financial strain on the family, anything that's going to make mom and dad really wiggly and argue or, you know, create that nonverbal communication, that will send a child back. Molars, the two-year molars, can really throw a wrench into the system. Um, and then, yeah, and then anything, anything like, you know, Fourth of July fireworks, there were oh, yeah. a lot of kids, um, you know, accidents because they were freaked out. So they, they can slide back, you know, and I, I always have to remind parents, I, I don't know when potty training became the only developmental milestone that parents are so pressured to do it fast in a certain time frame and no accidents. And I said, you know, what kid has learned to walk without falling or ties his shoes perfectly at first or rides his bike without falling? You know, this is a developmental milestone, not a contact. And so so I have to keep reminding parents of that. (laughs) So you don't want to try to do it just in an afternoon. No. And you got to... You got to expect that there's going to be some accident. I guess the, uh, one of the one of the big things I I think people are somewhat naive about, particularly first time parents, is that okay, you got them in in underwear, and that should be the end of it. What's this? What's this peeing in your bed at night? I mean, mm-hmm. what kind of craziness is that? Uh, how how do you deal with getting people to understand that that's going to be a normal thing, and for some kids, it may last for years. Uh, what may last for years? The accidents, yeah, particularly accidents. at night. Yeah, accidents shouldn't last for years. So that's I, I tell parents, you know, there's there's a time frame and some kids, you know, some kids can take a really long time to potty train and that's just the kids, you know. And that can take, you know, maybe six weeks. But if you're going months with accidents, then something needs to be adjusted. And certainly at night there are, you know, bedwetting at night, it's a long time for some kids. So especially over holiday weekends, you know, a kid you'll be at a barbecue the kid will be sucking down juice boxes behind your back, off his sleep schedule, knocked out because he's been running around at the party. You know, you can you can expect an accident because everything's off and you probably took in more fluids. But if your child's having regular accidents, you know, two, three times a week, you need to go back and fix something or, or book a consult with me because <laughs> it, it, it shouldn't be like that. Something Something's gone wrong and we can fix it. Okay. All right, yeah. so we got up to the, the third block, roughly. What's going on in the fourth and fifth blocks? What's happening there? Uh, the fr- what is it? Commando. I don't have them all like, memorized. I need them in order. So it's commando. Um, okay. Naked commando outing. And um, then you want to – oh, initiation, self-initiation. Okay, right. So that's when the child begins to act 
And this is all taking place over the course of a couple of days, ideally? No, 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 no. Self-initiation comes okay. like three weeks after the process. Okay, thank no, you. No, no, no. The first couple of days, so it would look like you know, block one is like one or two days. Most kids really do get it naked. And that's why you'll find a lot of people who say, oh, my child's potty trained, but only when naked. So that's kind of the easy part. The toughest transition is from block one to block two, which is wearing clothes with no underpants. So the child has to... Um, uh, it, it's a hard transition because the clothes create sort of a, a barrier. They create the sensation of privacy. And so um, that's the hardest leap. And that will come, you know, usually about five days into the process. And, and it, again, it depends on the kid and it depends on what you, the parent, need to accomplish. You know, if your child sure. needs to be back at daycare in four days, you kind of have to nudge things along. Well, speaking of daycare. Sense. Oh, yeah. Speaking of daycare, I mean, it's... It, if, especially if there's a lot of kids, they just mm-hmm. may not have time or the desire to deal with a kid who has to go to the bathroom. It may be just easier to change the diapers. How do you get them to support what you've been trying to do at home? Yeah, that's a good question. I have a whole chapter on daycares. Um, you know, I always tell parents, try to check in. You know, one of the reasons I like people to get my book way before they want to potty train is for these you know, a few reasons. And one is, you know, check to make sure you get into a daycare that is supportive of potty training. A lot of the bigger daycares have uh, potty training rooms. So your child, once they're potty training, they'll sort of go into a specific room that has potties in it. They keep an eye, you know, they're really supporting the, uh, the process. Unfortunately, there's a lot of daycares that just don't have the time or the desire. And I've worked with a lot of daycares and over the years, they themselves have been burnt. You know, the parent will come in after maybe attending to potty training for a couple of hours and say, here, my kid's potty trained. Now you have to watch them. And, you know, the daycare is almost in charge of the whole process. So daycare is really kind of gun shy about doing it. And plus, you know, the mess is being poop on the floor. So um, so the, the daycare chapter really works how to work with the daycare and some things you can do. Most parents kind of overwhelm the daycare with their, you know, we're all, <laughs> we're all kind of hovering parents this generation. And so parents will write out, you know, a three page list of their child's signals and what to do and what to say. And, uh, and that can be really overwhelming for the daycare. <laughs> so uh, I had a client a couple of years ago who made her kid a t-shirt that just said, you know, I'm potty training. Don't ask me. <laughs> tell me. Because um, if you ask me, I'll say no. Please don't give me a reward, uh, reward for doing a bodily function. It's like She made like a mini checklist on the kid's T-shirt. And it was, it was really awesome, and the daycare loved it. So. Well, you know, you talk about that in, in the very beginning of the book, about how you kind of give some great analogies about how you know people don't like the word training, but training is just like an on-the-job kind of a thing. But also you, you talk about it as an analogy with walking and how mm-hmm. we don't tend to give kids M&Ms or stickers or something for learning how to walk, but you know, there's this, this need to reward the potty training. Why wouldn't you want to do that? I'm, I'm really against rewards. I think, it, I think, first of all, it smacks of dog training. Like our Kids, even at a young age, have big brains, lots of emotions, and to just, you know, here, do this, I'll give you a treat. It doesn't feel it doesn't resonate with the kind of parenting I'm on board with. Um, that being said, I know it works for many people. I see the disasters. I see the people that it doesn't work for, and it escalates. And I had a client once who gave her kid had a new bike, a new kitchen set, all these new toys, <laughs> a jar of candy on the back of the toilet, and the kid still was like, eh, no. And then there's, it, it can result in these huge power struggles. 
I've met kids who get so smart, they'll meter out their pee, like one pee into, you know, five or six peas to get the candy. Um, I think it just creates a lot. And at this age, you know, parenting to some degree always requires some bribery down the line. Uh, I don't think you should start it at two. You know, to, here, you do this and I'll give you this. You know, in my parenting philosophy, I feel like there's other ways to work with a child than, than that sort of parenting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just don't care for it. <laughs> and for a lot of people, you do are you candy in the morning? Your kid's going to pee in the morning, you know? And the stickers, I just don't think any child holds it in their capacity of thought to say, oh, look, I stayed dry for six days. I'm going to get a prize if I stay dry for one more day. So a sticker chart to me just, it doesn't really follow through with, a toddler's thought process. Jamie Glowacki, who's also known as the Pied Piper of Poop, is the author of Oh Crap! Potty Training, Everything Modern Parents Need to Know to Do It Once and Do It Right. You can get more information about the book and a lot of the other things that Jamie's up to and her method and, and many more things at jamieglowacki.com and it's G-L-O-W-A-C-K-I and the Jamie is J-A-M-I-E, all one word, jamieglowacki.com. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Dear Mom and Dad, one thing I've learned in the Army is that when you're lucky enough to get a little time off, you should put it to good use. So I'm taking a moment to write and tell you that I'm fine and doing well. We have good days and bad days over here. We try to remember the good ones and get through the bad ones as best we can. Mostly we have each other, and that's what keeps us going. That and the pride of our commitment to getting the job done, whatever it takes. I miss you all very much and can't wait to get back to life as usual. Please tell everybody hello for me and that I'll be home soon. And mom, since you asked, if anyone wants to help, just tell them to contact the USO. You can't believe how much they do for us. With love, your son Michael. The USO depends on the generosity of the American people, people just like you. To find out how you can help, visit us at USO.org. The USO until everyone comes home. Hey there, welcome back to Positive Parenting. I'm Armin Brat. You know, one of the things that says summer to me in the loudest possible way is amusement parks. And I got this question and I just had to answer it because my daughter and I just won season passes to Six Flags. Dear Mr. Dad, my husband and I are going to Orlando to visit some theme parks with our kids who are ages 4 and 8. We are all super excited, but I'm worried about how to make sure the kids have a good time and the adults still feel like we've had a vacation. Any suggestions? Well, I've got lots of suggestions, and you know, it's possible that my daughter and I will bump into you out there. But back to you. Going to amusement parks with kids as young as yours and still having fun yourself can, as you imagine, can be challenging, but it's definitely possible. And here are some ideas that I'm pretty sure are going to help you out. First of all, go online before you get in line. Make an adults-only visit to each park's website. Find out their hours, their age and height restrictions, their ride closures, whether you can bring in outside food, whether they have lockers, and so on. Most sites have recommendations for families with young children. Once you've mastered all that, go back and visit the sites with the kids, but show them only the things that they'll actually be able to do. There's no sense in getting them all excited about rides they can't go on. While you're online, follow the parks on social media so you can get money-saving discounts and followers-only access, and you might want to download the apps for each park you're planning to visit. Besides including maps of the park, 
complete with where all the bathrooms are, which is a really important thing. The apps usually include schedules for shows and photo ops with characters, restaurant menus, and a lot more. Speaking of restaurants, plan your meals. To get your money's worth, you're going to want to stay at the park all day, and you're going to need to eat. Of course, it's more convenient to buy all your meals and snacks in the park, and the good news is that these days, your food options go way beyond burgers, fries, and fried donuts. Most now offer all sorts of ethnic options, and you'll almost always be able to find fruits and veggies and other healthy foods. If money's an issue, bring as much food as you're allowed to, and details are going to be on the park's website, so read them carefully. Plan your day. The kids and maybe you will probably need some breaks during the day. If you're staying at a nearby hotel, consider going back for a nap and a dip in the pool. Then hit the park again. If not, all the parks have air-conditioned theaters that are great rest spots. Stay cool. Everyone needs a hat, plenty of sunscreen, and a water bottle. No exceptions. According to ThemeParkInsider.com, more visitors suffer from sunburns, rashes, heat exhaustion, and heat stroke than all other injuries put together. Start really, really early. If you get to the park before it opens, you can dash to the most popular rides before lines get really incredibly long. Think safety. If your child has a tendency to disappear into crowds, consider a wrist bungee or a harness. A lot of kids and adults find them really horribly embarrassing, so the mere threat of using one might be enough to keep the kids nearby. You might also want to consider one of the many GPS trackers some can be worn on the wrist and others attached to the kids' clothing. Hey, if you've got a question or a comment or a suggestion for us here at Positive Parenting, drop us a line through the website, mrdad.com. Thanks for listening to Positive Parenting. You can get more information on today's show and what we're working on in the weeks ahead at mrdad.com. While you're there, visit the mrdad.com gift shop with everything you need to help you become the dad or mom you want to be. Positive Parenting is a production of the mrdad.com radio network. Now, go be a great parent.